Aloha, welcome back to the Curvy Geeky Fangirl Podcast. I am Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I am here once again to talk about all the things that were geek in my week or not geek in my week. <laughs> the TV drama that has uh, unfolded for me is uh, not fun. It's not fun, but uh, here we go. I'll go ahead and get it, get into it, and start explaining stuff. So. I am definitely going to be touching on uh, some shows I caught throughout the week. There's been a slight change up in the shows that I watch. I usually catch a lot of DC TV stuff. And uh, there's a problem with that that I will get into shortly because uh, people are crazy and doing tomfoolishly things. So that's happening. So basically, I'm going to make this podcast a podcast based around TV shows that are interested in diving into magic because that's mostly what I watched last week to fill the void of the TV shows I couldn't watch. So we'll be jumping into that in just a moment. But real quick, you guys know I have to do that self uh, promo. Uh Excuse me. So (laughs) as you guys know, you can find me as the Kirby Geeky Fangirl on all of the socials. I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I say all the socials, really just those two. I'm on Instagram and Twitter. I've got my website, KirbyGeekyFangirl.com, which you can hit me up and email me if you guys have questions or topics you want me to cover. I also have this podcast on a bunch of places. I'm on Anchor, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, a bunch of other places, so many more. So wherever you listen to this podcast at, please make sure that you subscribe and rate it, add your comments. It does help a girl out. Please do so. You know how we do. Please do the things. That'd be great. And if you listen to this podcast on Anchor, there's even a way for you to leave a live voice message, a live in-person voice message where you too may have a chance to shine on this lovely podcast. We can talk to each other. Look at that. Like real people, like we're in the 90s, excited. Think about it. So all of that's going down. And I'm gonna jump into the TV shows I'm going to be covering. So because it's my magic themed episode, I'm gonna be talking about The Magicians, Siempre Bruja, which recently dropped on Netflix, AKA Always a Witch if you live in the United States because they don't trust us. And understandably, I, I understand why they don't, why they don't trust us to look up or know how to spell Siempre Bruja. So, you know. I'm also going to talk about a film I found on Netflix called The Witch Files. Which, yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a thing that happened. So I'm going to be talking about all of that. As you guys always know, I go heavy into spoilers. I am not scared of spoilers. So I'm gonna be going heavy duty into these spoilers. If you have not caught up with magicians, you haven't got a chance to see Siempre Bruja, AKA Always a Witch, or The Witch Files, and you actually have interest in watching any of these, please do so. Pause it here, catch up, and then come right on back so we can get into the deep and the dirty on all of these shows. And I'm about to talk about my feelings on why I couldn't watch my normal shows. You notice I did not list any DC TV. Because um, me and DCTV are about to have problems. We're about to have problems. They are playing games with my emotions, which I will dive into <laughs> right after this. Oh, 
All right, guys, let's talk about this beef. Uh, that might be just just me, but you know, whatever. Anyway, so you guys know I watch a lot of my DC TV from CW. A lot of CW shows have dropped. I do still have my subscription to DC streaming. I just, I gave up after Titans. I haven't really touched it except to watch a old retro The Flash episode here and there. I love that campy 90s TV show. It just makes me feel so warm. Aside from that, I haven't really dived into the new um, Young Justice. That dropped. I've heard it's really, really good. I'm hearing really good reviews. Um, the problem is, fool me once, right? Kind of situation. Young Justice, the animated series, has always been really strong, really good. But Titans just really uh, messed me up. Really messed me up. I can't put a lot of faith into Titans. A lot of people love Titans. They loved it for what it was. I was not one of those people. I was not. I had, it had a lot of promise. The show had a lot of promise. I just feel like wires got crossed somewhere. Like one group thought they had so much time to expand on characters and storylines and then turned out they didn't. Or another group was like, nah, we don't need to finish anything. We're just going to start a lot of things and worry about finishing them at another season. Let's do that. And then like another group was like, nah, we can't even do the full season we want to do. So let's just end it awkwardly. Cool. Like it just, it, it, I, anyway, I'm going to eventually watch Young Justice. I'm actually waiting for everything to drop because like I've told you guys before, I like to binge watch my shows. I don't like this week to week bullshit. So, which is kind of funny because one of the shows I'm talking about next is week to week and I don't have problems with that. I don't know what that's about. Anyway, so I don't, but maybe just with DCTV, I feel like if I'm giving you this money, you need to drop these shows immediately, immediately. Full series. Thank you. I appreciate it. Anywho, so uh, my beef with the DCTV I normally watch, which is The Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Legends of Tomorrow. I can't watch it anymore because they're no longer streaming them on Amazon. Uh, I don't watch these live, as you guys know. So I usually catch them either the day after or around the weekend. I'll catch up and watch all of it. And I can't do that anymore. I, was, I used to buy season passes and I just dropped the episode. They did not let us do that this year. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind having to pay like per episode. It's like three bucks. But then they stopped letting us do that. After the Elseworlds finale, it just stopped altogether and there's no real explanation why there hasn't been any press releases from amazon or cw as to why this just stopped uh I've, it's been a hell of a search to find out why exactly you're not seeing anything there's an article on fan cited if you guys are super concerned and want to know what's <laughs> what's going on there's an article there under uh, the amazon advisor side where they talk about how the digital access usually had through Amazon has completely ceased. Not only that, but a lot of shows that are connected to this, to CBS also have stopped being accessible. So unless you already purchase episodes on Amazon for the current seasons that are going on right now for those DC TV shows, you don't, you're not gonna be able to purchase them at a later date. Everything is unavailable right now. And they're not really sure why. There's a lot of speculation in the air that maybe CW, who is a subset under CBS, is trying to get all of those series to their service so that people have to buy that CBS All Access membership. I don't think that's much of a stretch. 
To be fair, I don't know a lot of people who purchased CBS All Access membership. I don't know what they were thinking when they dropped CBS All Access. Like, I know Star Trek was supposed to be a big pull. As a fan of Star Trek myself, it wasn't enough of a pull for me to buy a membership to CBS All Access. It really, it really wasn't. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, hey, y'all want to see these shows? Check out CBS All Access. <sighs> yeah. So that that's a theory that could be going on. Other people are thinking that they're trying to push it towards the CW app. There's a streaming app for CW, commercials included, where you can watch all of those shows for free. You can watch them on your laptop right now. Depending on the smart TV you got, you can stream it on the TV. Here's my thing. And as you guys know, I don't like commercials. I don't like commercials. The whole point of me paying money to watch these shows that actually air for free is that I get to skip those damn commercials. But nope, but nope. So I don't know what they're doing. Now, nobody knows exactly what's going on or why all of a sudden you can't access it in the way you usually could on Amazon. Nothing is also forever. Nothing is forever. So uh, I won't be able to talk about DC TV shows for a little bit. I'm definitely in my feelings about it. I don't like being forced to do something I don't want to do. Especially when I don't have to do it that way. I don't have I don't have to. So I may just be stubborn enough to wait for the CW to drop all of those series on Netflix. And that's what they've been doing in the past. They'll drop the full series uh usually in the summer, a little bit closer to fallish time, where you so you can binge watch the whole previous season before the new season launches. So that's probably what I'm gonna do. I'm probably just gonna wait until it drops. Cause again, I don't have the time to watch them live. I do things in the evening, like sleep. And then I also refuse to watch the commercials. I have cable. I probably could just record those episodes and then fast forward through the commercials. But I also hate my cable. So like, and I know, first world problems. I'm having a lot of first world problems when it comes to watching these DC TV shows. If I was really dedicated, I would find a way and just like get over myself and do it. I'm not that dedicated, <laughs> so sorry about it. I'm probably not gonna be recapping a lot of the DC TV shows. And from what I hear, so I, li- I listen to other podcasts that are doing the recaps for it, Black Lightning especially. The Introverted Nerd podcast, you should definitely listen to if you wanna catch up on what's happening with Black Lightning. Or The Gifted, another series I'm not watching that I might have to start watching because I can still purchase those episodes. She, Reese, gives a hilarious take on what's happening in all of those shows. So I'm going to do a little self-promo and I'll probably link her also in the description. Check out Introverted Nerd Podcast because she's doing a really good job of recapping Black Lightning, The Gifted, and the occasional Saved by the Bell episode. And if you're a 90s nostalgia geek like me, it's a win. It's a win across the board. So there's definitely other ways if you really, really, really need somebody's take on what's going on. But from what I'm listening, what I've been listening to so far about these shows, I'm not missing a whole lot. The back half of a lot of these series, not doing the greatest, not doing the best. So not sorry about it. So yeah, so that's what's going on with DCTV and why you don't hear me talking about any of those shows right now. So you're gonna hear me explore a bunch of other avenues <laughs> talking about other things uh, as the show progresses. Um, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what else is gonna happen there. 
I am going to be talking about, or go ahead and move into the magic part of the episode. I'll be talking about the magicians right after this. All right, let's jump into the magicians. So the magicians is celebrating its season four. It just came back. I want to say earlier part of January. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know when the magicians came back because I stopped following them for a little bit, but apparently they came back mid July. I want to say mid-July or mid-July, mid-January. I know my months. There we go. Mid-January or so. Uh, we're only two episodes in so far, or at least that's what Amazon is telling me. I don't know what's true anymore. Everything's a lie. Anyway, so I'm caught up on the first two episodes of The Magicians. And you know what? I, uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory when it comes to me and The Magicians. So The Magicians, uh, I heard about the book. I heard about the book. Uh, I was heavily following uh, Felicia Day's channel, uh, Geek and Sundry. They had, I want to say it was called Sword and Laser. I think it was a Sword and Laser show where basically it was like a sort of also book club where they delved into fantasy books or sci-fi books and they touched on, I want to say it's Love Grossman's The Magicians. And it was heralded and advertised and marketed as the adult Harry Potter. And I was sold. I love Harry Potter. I was like, all right, let's see what adult Harry Potter is looking like. Because let's be honest, if you are trapped in a school and you are of hormonal age, there's no way you're just like, yeah, so I'm going to go to school, play some sports and go to sleep. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You're going to get drunk. You're going to find out about witch or wizard drugs. You will get laid. That's going to happen. So they were definitely trying to push the idea that magicians was going to go where Harry Potter wasn't going to go in terms of, you know, adulting, stupid stuff. So I was excited. I was hyped. I started reading The Magicians. Okay. It's very rare for me to have such a visceral negative reaction to a book ever. And that's exactly what happened with The Magicians. To the author's credit, he in a lot of a lot of the interviews he did afterwards, because it was pretty, the books were pretty, po- I don't want to say polarizing, but you usually fell into two groups. Either you loved The Magicians or you hated it. You hated the shit out of this book. And I fell into that category. Um, and that was because I really couldn't get a, my head around the main character, Quentin. Quentin uh, in the books is just as whiny and... Uh, what's the word entitled as he isn't TV show, but I feel like the writers and the producers for the TV show realized the idea behind the book is great. We need to water it down for, for a mainstream audience. Cause that's definitely what they did. Book Quentin book, fa- you know, book team magician gang. Terrible. I couldn't get past like the first couple of chapters before I really just wanted bad things to happen to this main character. And at first I was like, oh, maybe we're looking at this from a villain's point of view. No, we're just looking at it from an entitled asshole's point of view for some reason. And I could not get on board. Other people love the hell out of the series. They love the series. I just could not get into it. So when the TV show was announced by Sci-Fi, I was like, okay, I'll check it out. They're doing a really good job again with the marketing and the advertising for the TV show. But I'm out. As soon as we start hearing about some white entitled crap, I'm out. White entitled crap definitely happens in the show. But to the show's credit, they took all of the would-be negative aspects from that book and I don't want to say flipped it, but kind of expanded on it. So yes, our team from the magicians, the people that we 
that we keep rooting for idiotically. Quentin, uh, Alice, Julia, Penny. Now Josh is included. Elliot and Margo. We keep rooting for them because we know they're well-intentioned asshats. And we also get to see what happens when they inevitably fuck everything up. Because they do. Season after season after season. Which I kind of appreciated. Like in the... I didn't get that far into the books. But like in the couple of chapters I read about the books, it didn't really feel like anything was weighing on them. We just had all these characters who felt like they needed to have stuff. And they were entitled to certain things. And then they were getting these things. So I was just... I did... Uh, I couldn't get past it. But this TV series had a similar scenario where you had young people who felt entitled to things and wanting things and trying to get these things, get those things and have those things blow up in their fucking faces. So that, I, maybe it happened in the book, maybe it didn't. I just could not get on board. But the TV show does a really good job of trolling these characters every season. And I'm here for it. I'm here to watch the, the craziness unfold itself. So... The thing about the magicians that makes me like it is that you've got this well-intentioned group who know shit. They know nothing. <laughs> They're trying so hard to fix what they keep fucking up. They try very, very hard. And the show and the writers have done a really good job of showing the growth in these characters. The characters we met and laughed at in the first season are not the same characters that we're looking at now into their fourth season. We're starting to see them gain wisdom in their idiocy, still making mistakes, but growing and actually becoming, I don't know, human beings we can care about. So that's my love-hate relationship with the magicians. So into season four. So I have actually been watching all of the seasons of The Magicians, I usually, again, with the binging, I usually wait until the season's done. Like, I i don't care when it's running in real time, usually. Usually wait for it to finish. It's a sci-fi series, so it's usually not crazy, crazy long. I want to say, like, maybe 12 episodes a season is on there. Maybe a little bit more. I don't think they do a full 22. Yeah, it's like 12, 13 episodes. So I usually wait for that to run. Um, they usually release the magicians around now in the off season of all the stuff that's going on so that it's not in direct competition with a lot of the shows that are still running. So they'll run it in January and it usually ends around April, Marchish. That's about right. Which is like just enough middle ground to still gain viewers who aren't watching the syndicated shows on the national networks. Cool whatever so because it airs then it's usually available for you to watch around the summer usually late summer into fall sometimes they'll stretch it out and it's not available until like a few weeks before the new season either way i'm good with that i'm good with that they drop it usually on netflix you can watch it for freezies well freezy ish you're still paying for that netflix subscription maybe anywho so I'm, i usually catch up like that so i ca caught up on season three I want to say in the summer, maybe the summer, maybe earlier than that. I don't know if I recapped this or not in a previous podcast. Maybe I did. Anywho, um, so usually that's how I catch up. So season three was a shit show. Season three was all about how magic had disappeared. Magic was just gone and they had to figure out what was going on. Turned out magic was gone because these asshats had killed a god. The god that had granted them the quest to even get into Fillory, which is another mystical place they had, 
uh, in the first place. Granted, the god kind of deserved it. This god was also an asshole and was just chaos incarnate. It was doing insane things. They had to put a stop to it. But putting a stop to it meant ending him. And, you know, the other people that had placed him in power weren't happy. Turned off all magic to the world. Turned it right on off. You see like this plumber looking guy with a wrench. And he just kind of, he goes to like what looks to be a glittery fountain. Turns it right on off. So then season three was all about them figuring out how to get the magic turned back on and dealing with the other consequences that kind of were left over from season two. Alice died basically in season two. She became um, a Niffin, which essentially is like the remnants of magic from a magic user because they used too much of it, they absorbed too much of it and exploded. As a Niffin, you don't have any human ties. So all you care about is getting more magic, which is a... a, a a running theme in this show, having this addiction and obsession with magic, which is like supposed to be this cure-all sometimes, but it makes you feel powerful and it screws you up. So Alice is the brainy girl in love with Quentin, has a list of family and home problems, becomes a niffin, becomes crazy apathetic, doesn't give a shit about anybody. Quentin, guilt-ridden, he plays a lot of the martyr trope in the show, bleeding heart he wants to help fix her basically try to get her back into a human body and get her back on living in their plane he does it problem is she's got no shade aka a soul so the thing that would make her like human is gone and she is struggling (laughs) she is struggling terribly as a niffin in a human body she does it she knows like there's a part of her that knows she needs to care about things but she doesn't and the fact that she doesn't is driving her insane she's like slowly but surely loses it and in the process of gaining her shade back which they managed to do successfully for her and another character named julie or julia it doesn't help anything because she still has all her memories of being a niffin and all of her memories of the atrocities she committed as a Niffin. And then also the guilt laden with all of that and how she treated everybody once she got back into the Alice body. Like it's a list of, it's just guilt on guilt on guilt on guilt for this child. And uh, she becomes an antagonist for season three. So in, like I said, in season three, they're trying to get magic back together. They're going on these quests, trying to get magic. And she ends up betraying the entire team and trying to fuck shit up at the very end of it. She sort of succeeds. Julia manages to barely save the day, but it's enough to screw up everything else that they were doing. And she also betrays another group in the process and that group now has her hold up. So she is in library jail. That other group is the librarians who also had a major interest in trying to get magic turned back on. She completely betrayed them. So they put her in in librarian jail. And now we're moving on. Uh, as the team managed to turn the magic back on, the librarians took over control of it. We found that out as a twist at the end of the season as well. Uh, the librarians were basically like, listen, fools, we let y'all just go willy nilly with this magic in the past. Never worked out. <laughs> never, never was a good plan. So we are controlling all of it. You're going to get like these. Uh, settled quantities that we've all agreed that you should get no more no less fucking deal with it and they out 
We also had a whole story with the fairies. The fairy storyline in season three, I found super interesting because fairies are basically creatures of magic. So they're literally made of magic, which is why they're insane and also assholes. Like they just do whatever the fuck they want and they don't care. Snatch an eye, cool. Steal a toe, we down. Steal whole babies, sure. Sure, okay. They also love making deals and trying to concoct it in a way that it could never be betrayed, basically. Like they're really good at figuring out loopholes, but clearly not, you know, omniscient. I can't say the word, but basically all knowing. They're not all knowing. So there's always like a weird loophole you could try to string through. We also found that there a portion of them were being used as slaves for a family that has deep ties to magic. The McAllisters, I think is their name. We got introduced to that family. No one could see them at first, but Julia was slowly but surely becoming a goddess in season three and was able to see these fairies. She also figured out how to free them from their prison, kind of. And then found out, not really. Like apparently they had struck an unbreakable deal with the fairy queen at some point. They were full on gonna just murder all the fairies. And she was like, nah, nah, you can have a quarter of them and whatever, whatever. When the magic went away, they were like, this magical family was like, we need magic. (laughs) We can't not have it. So let's figure out a way to keep magic by, I don't know, murdering these fairies. And that's what they were doing. So they were like slowly but surely chopping these fairies into pieces so they can grind down the magic and then sell it on the black market. They were selling it to the library disturbing but now that magic is turned back on they don't have to worry about killing all these fairies even though the fairy queen in her haste of not wanting to wait for the asshats to get it together and figure out how to turn magic back on made a huge sacrifice and decided to sacrifice herself to free her people so she was like you can have me if you got to free the other ones and no non-fairies okay well hold on Basically, stop hunting the fairies. She basically said, "If you don't, unless you're a fairy, you can't hunt other fairies type of a deal. Seems like a huge loophole's in there, but that's okay. That's what she said. So that was that. And we also had Margot and Elliot become really taking on their duties as high king, as high kings in Fillory. I'm fucking it up a lot, a lot, a lot. Like they really thought they could just step in, sit on these seats, do whatever the hell they wanted and call it a day. Then it turned out, no, there's actual politics to this. There's other kingdoms to worry about and other alliances and wars we have to think about as well. And they get in over their head super fast. To Elliot's credit, he's the more compassionate of the two. He, I still don't think he was doing super well. He needed Margot to be a little more stringent in certain areas, but Margot had no compassion. It was definitely causing a lot of trouble for them by being like, fuck everybody, I'll just murder you. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. They kind of got held up by the fairies, kind of got held up by other uh, royal houses also. But in the end, they managed to figure everything out because they got magic turned back on. What else happened? Uh, There was some Penny stuff. He was dying. He became property of the library. And then a doppelganger of Penny came back because um, Julia and gang had to go to another timeline to secure another another key for their quest to turn magic back on, which also involved them talking with other versions of themselves. 
in another timeline. Marina from that timeline came back with them as well as Penny. So now we have a Penny from timeline 23 who was in love with Julia from timeline 23 and not in love with Katie who's in our current timeline. So when she sees Penny not dead, <laughs> she gets super excited only to find out that's not her Penny, the one that she was in love with. Do I miss the Katie Penny couple? Nope, do not. So his stiff hand to tell her no, didn't mind it, <laughs> didn't, didn't care, didn't mind it. I kind of ship the Penny Julia situation. I kind of hope that goes down. So that's something that's going on. Uh, that pretty much catches us up. After they turn on magic, they also had to deal with another consequence to turning on magic, which was this monster. There was a monster in the palace they needed to get into to turn on magic. Their plan had been to kill the monster in order to turn on the magic. They do not tell this monster. Turns out this monster is a little more complicated than previously thought. It isn't a body, just not its own body. It can actually transfer and jump from body. So host to host situation. It's also damn near unstoppable. It has the abilities of a God, but the IQ of a kindergartner. All it, all it wants is, is wanting. That's it. It is never satisfied. And it jumps from one thing to another to another. It's very temperamental and murder happy. That's not great. And it's recently jumped into Elliot. That's what we found out. Also at the end of everything as part of the deal that the Dean brokered so that the kids don't get murdered because you know, all of the stuff they had been doing to try to turn magic back on, all the toes they'd been stepping on. He basically was like, we will erase their memories, give them different personalities and identities. This protects them from the monster they unleashed somewhere <laughs> also will serve as like a bonus jail for them kind of situation because they won't know they're magicians they can't practice magic yibba 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 and that's how we end a season three every almost everybody except for alice is in a different body different persona no idea what they did in the past pick up on season four so season four we pick up right where we left off in season three with nobody remembering exactly who they are. And we kind of get to see their lives as these alternate people. Not very interesting. And they don't really harp on it very long. So there's that. I'm gonna break it down by character because this show has a shitload of characters. And I somehow, I won't say evenly, but they managed to juggle storylines for their main crew somehow it is little pieces and snippets here and there and they kind of rotate who gets the most time here and there but they still make it work so i mean so we're gonna catch up with katie penny and josh first because the least happens with those three so like i said they're currently living in their existing personas katie is a detective penny is a dj josh is either his assistant or his chauffeur or both to penny and they seem to be doing pretty okay everything kind of kicks off at a head with Katie. As a detective, she keeps running into this one criminal that keeps getting away from her. And she's not exactly sure how this is going on. We get heavy hints that this is a magic user. There's a whole scene where she chases him into a very quiet store and all she finds is a bloody mirror. But you know, as a detective with no memory of magic, she doesn't even question it. Viewers know this is how hedge witches travel well, almost anybody travels through mirrors. You do some kind of blood ritual with symbols and then you can jump through that thing. 
And that's how he's been getting away. She manages to corner him and talk to him. He basically lets it be known that A, she's in a glamour. B, B, he's a magic user. And C, he has a uh, token of sorts, an an enchanted token of sorts to help protect him from violence. Of course, it doesn't work because he takes it off immediately. She snatches it from him and then he gets hit by a bus. But it's enough to lay the idea there that something else is going on. And so she starts exploring that a little bit more and more and more and realizes that some crazy shit's going down. And then she discovers this graphic novel. There's a a comic, yeah, basically a graphic novel that details all the alternate personas for each of them and like a bit of their backstory. And she kind of starts freaking out, but it leads her to Margot. Margot's busy living her life as her alternate personality, who is a, uh, a fashion editor for a magazine. Still being Margot though, still being bossy and bitchy and doing what she wants, but she's also dealing with like a wonky eye. She can't figure out why this one eye of hers is not working the way it needs to be working. <laughs> She ends up getting a patch, which is what Margot was sporting in the previous season. Uh, and she also gets clued into the fact that something else is going on. There's something else off around her. So her and Katie then meet up with Penny and Josh, which then leads them to Marina. Marina finally meets all of them and basically lets it know, be known that, yeah, magic is involved. You guys are under a glamour. I do magic. I'm going to try to help you out. Out of the kindness of my heart, Marina is not to be trusted, which is going to lead me to Marina, who figures out who placed the glamour on them. It's not, it's not super secret. It's Dean Fogg. There's a whole voicemail message that she gets when she tries to undo the glamour. She's also somebody, even in the alternate timelines, who really only looks out for herself, unless she's really pushed into a corner into caring about somebody. She usually uses people for opportunity, either to get more magic, usually that's it, more power of some sort. So she sees these two, she sees, she clearly sees an opportunity to either tap into more magic or to torture Dean Fogg, who apparently in all timelines she hates, and she goes for it. So she faces Dean Fogg and she basically threatens him. She stabs a full on needle in his neck, full of whatever potion was used by him to make them forget and get glamored into a full other person and basically tells him, you are, you have a ticking time bomb, basically. Give me the antidote so I can unswitch these guys and find out what the hell you were doing this for in the first place or lose your memories and become an alternate person. And he's like, lose my memories and become an alternate person, bitch. And that's what he does. And he spends the rest of the couple of episodes, I guess, getting things in line for when he ultimately forgets everything. It's a lot of random things that don't make a whole lot of sense that he's doing, like seeing his tailor. He rips his suit on purpose, so the tailor has to come visit him. Uh, his notes to Todd, his random tour of talking to people, like his bookie, his drinking buddy, somebody he wants to punch in the face because he had relations with that person's girlfriend and or wife. It's, I mean, it's funny, but I'm not sure what it means to anything. Um, what else is happening? We also get Margot, like I said, who, like I said, she's living her best fashionista life right now, but she keeps getting, like, she'll fall asleep and she'll have dreams about Ember. Ember's supposed to be dead. Ember was killed by Quentin in season two and was the reason magic stopped working in the first place because Quentin killed a god. So he's shown up 
in Margot's dream, he basically tells her he gets activated if something's going wrong in Fillory. And he keeps telling Margot, who has no memories of being a high king, that she needs to go back to Fillory and fix it. And she's like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. So she keeps having these dreams. Eventually, Ember gets fed up and is just like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? You need to fix it and do it now. And she basically tells him, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I'm not even in Fillory. And he's like, oh, problem solved. I'll get you there. Snaps his fingers. Mid-conversation, Margot disappears to figure Fillory. Mind you, still no memory of what's going on. She kind of ends up exploring Fillory. We get introduced to a turtle man, some kind of water creature who gives her a random backstory to her life. He has a box of her valuables of some sort. They don't even really expand on why he's here. Hopefully we'll come back to him at some point. It is only the second episode, but he's there to greet her in Fillory. And then she makes her way to the castle. Well, she gets arrested and brought to the castle. And that's where Fen sort of recognizes her, but is you know hesitant to give up her acting place as royalty because she, she's been fooled before. So she's like, I'm gonna take it one step at a time with you. So basically Fen and her consort explain what's going on in Fillory. Turns out Fillory is having an opium problem. Somebody has filtered the air with opium, which, you know, for the most part has been a fun ride. You know, some people are giddy. Some people like the jovality of it and they are dancing in the streets. Other people are just falling asleep. Um, problem is that when these urges kick in, it's not at the most opportune time, like falling asleep in the middle of the street and dying. Uh, dancing until you die because you're so high on opium, stuff like that. So they figure out, or they think Ember is back and he's doing this on purpose because that's the sort of shit Ember did. He just did random shit, not thinking about any consequences to the humans because it didn't affect him at all. Margo's like, all right, let's go talk to Ember. So they go down to where they think Ember's going to be hiding out at and they don't find Ember, they find somebody else. In the meanwhile, Julia has been working on breaking the spell. She manages to break it in time for Margot to come to her senses and look at the new fake Ember and realize it's Bacchus. So we get the return of Bacchus. If you don't know who that is, he's kind of a party god. And that's what he's doing. He's currently partying. And he's the reason there's opium in the air. So she faces him down, calls him out. He doesn't like it. Snaps her back to earth. We don't know where on earth she is right now. He just wanted her out of her sight. And he's still in Fillory. And that's what that's all that's happening with Margot. We've also got Quentin. Oh, I'll go back to Quentin. Quentin will be at the end. We're going to talk about Julia. Since she said she broke the spell. So Julia in her alternate persona is still very much Julia. She gets invited to go to Break Bills. I'm pretty sure by Dean Fogg. And she sucks at Break Bills. And she can't figure out why. Like she's failing everything. And even Dean Fogg at first was hesitant to believe it was Julia. But it is Julia. <laughs> so he's like, well, I'm just going to have her stick around. She has a lot of questions. Thankfully, Todd has a bunch of answers and he can't wait to tell her. Todd is this side character that they've introduced since season one, who at first just seemed to be like this really annoying character who just kind of showed up and stuck around. Then I want to say season two, season, maybe season three. Todd got real interesting. It turned out he had an obsession with Margot and stole her doppelganger. Somebody made a golem, which is a, if you know anything about, I wanna say it has ties to Judaism. I'm pretty sure it's part of 
Jewish folklore. But basically, it's a character of clay that you put life into with a spell, and it does your bidding. So there was a golem that was exactly looked exactly like Margot, and whoever owned that golem, it did its bidding, and he made it like a a weird sex doll. It got got interesting and it got creepy really really fast. But it kept Todd in the loop in the storyline. So Todd has memories of everybody, and. He's not supposed to. He ends up listening in on a conversation he's not supposed to be listening into. And ends up getting the full story, which he then immediately tells Julia. So now Julia is on the same bandwagon of, holy crap, we're not who we really are. We need to break this spell and get everybody. And it being Julia, she has this like headstrong, uh, I don't need to know the whole story type of persona. She just jumps in and is like, we need to fix things. And immediately starts white womaning, fixing things. All right, like just without asking any other questions. Of course, Dean Fox is like, no, don't stop. We can't. <laughs> There's reasons to this. And she's like, no, no, no. We have to stop it. So after Dean Fox goes through his thing with Marina, she has time to search his office now that Todd has told her everything that's going on and also lets her know that Dean Fogg had been working on a battery to work in perpetuity, basically work forever. She finds the battery and starts, she goes to touch it and it has a very strong reaction. She throws her against the wall and she dies. But then she wakes back up, magic. And she's like, well, there's gotta be a way for us to break the spell. I'm pretty sure it's got something to do with this battery. We need to overload this battery. And Todd, of course, is like, how the hell do we do that? All, all magic is sanctioned. We've used all we have for today. How are we gonna do this? Julia realizes if I keep touching it, it's gonna have to keep protecting itself, which is then eventually going to overload it. I just have to die a bunch of times. It gets to a point, a comical point, where Todd is like at first afraid when it first happened and then quickly gets used to it, puts on like a Walkman. It's hysterical. So eventually, after many attempts of dying, Julia breaks this battery, which breaks the spell for everybody at the same time. Penny, Katie, Josh, they all, shake back into their actual selves. Uh, Margot shakes back into her actual self when she's in Fillory. That's how she comes, gets back into being the High King. And Quentin comes back into being his actual self. So the Quentin storyline, which got a lot of focus, but is doing the slowest amount of things. Basically, he's the one that's still tied to that monster, the monster that has all that godlike power and just the want of a kindergartner and a friend. That's my dog being very annoying and yawning in the background. Go lay down. Sorry, anyway, back to my story. So, basically, Quentin is babysitting this monster as his alternate personality, because the monster can see that it's Quentin. Him being glamored does nothing. It's, it literally has God power right now. But it's like, whatever, I'll play along for right now. This is an interesting game. He's just been murder happy the whole time, appropriately freaking out Quentin and his alternate personality. And then to the latest challenge that they're doing, he needs to get a hold of Ares, AKA Elanias, I think he calls him, to get something from him. He's like, they took something from me and this God of War has it. So we need to call upon him. Gets Quentin to split open a pig and to call him and instead they get one of his followers they get a follower who is dressed in a very interesting way in a very creepy 
an interesting way. I, I don't think any of that was on accident. You, they show us a white guy, bearded, looks like a duck hunter, and <laughs> with a country accent, he's got a southern accent rocking, and he's just like, hell yeah, welcome, blah, blah, blah. And he's not cooperative at all. This monster makes quick work of this dude and realizes it's not Ares, a god of war, and he's being fucked around with again. When the spell breaks, Quentin has enough wherewithal to be like, oh shit, I need to do something about this monster. Like I am stuck with the monster, shit. And it immediately tries to start doing magic, but of course it would be fruitless because this monster has godlike power. So it's like, welcome back, Quentin. Don't try anything because I can snap your neck in two seconds. All right, let's go. So he gets Quentin catched up. He's like, yep, this is a new plan. I'm trying to do this so I can get this from this Aries guy. And Quentin being Quentin at first started strong was starting out like all right you're right they owe you something let's go do it and then had the audacity to start asking about Elliot this creature is squatting in Elliot right now and Quentin is trying to figure out how to get his friend free like save his friend of course the questions that he's given this monster aren't making the monster feel good at all and it's a temperamental deity in the first place so of course, his questions just piss it off. And then it's like, what, you wanna be around your friends? Fine, let's be around your friends. And it snaps them to where Penny, Katie, and Josh are hanging out. And it's like, all right, so now who gets to die first? End of episode. Quentin is dumb, Quentin is dumb. Um, also, Alice is still something that's happening. Alice is still in library in jail because she made that bad deal. Uh, we find out that there's a guy next to her. He's been talking to her this whole time, trying to keep her hopes high so she doesn't kill herself in her jail cell. I don't know why this was a worry, but apparently it was. And it turns out this guy is Santa. This man is black, which is hysterical. And it's just going on and on about how he was just an innocent magician looking for good people because good people are hard to find. Realized in order for him to find a good person, he'd have to start young. They'd have to be kids. He got in with some elves, and what they had, they had made a plan basically to find good people, find these good kids, and gift these kids for being good. That was his whole deal. That was his whole jam. And apparently, the world manipulated and perverted Santa. When he was describing what he wanted to do with these kids, it sounded mad creepy. It sounded mad creepy and gross. Also, this is the magician. So they take these uh, folklore and familiar characters and put a heavy dark twist on them. Santa already has a dark twist to him. It's called Krampus. He's called Krampus. I would not be surprised if Santa's buddy shows up or if he's actually the duality of it. And that's why they had to lock this fool up. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, so it looks like Santa's sticking around because he uh, befriends Alice enough for her to get an idea of how they can escape. She does some interesting things to get this idea moving. She knows she needs to get out of the cell. So she cuts her wrists to fake a suicide. Really, it was a real suicide, but, but with a goal to get fixed because she knew they would do the magic and fix her up. She just needed to get out of the cell. So she gets out of the cell, tries to make the best, best of her opportunity of being in a clinic spots a cockroach grabs that cockroach puts it in her mouth to hide it so she can smuggle it into her cell girl while she has the cockroach gets the idea to tap into magic through the messaging system that's in there they have this vacuum 
system. We're old school. I don't know if you, depending on who's listening to this, there used to be old school bank tellers that would, you'd put your money into this little cylinder and then it would soup it up into this little vacuum to send it into the building. And that's kind of how messages and stuff gets transported around the library. She undoes the vacuum tubing in her room enough to reach her hand into the space so she can tap into the magic in the area and it works. She frees her cockroach friend. She kind of bonds with it so that she can use it as her eyes and ears, gets it to scurry into the head librarian's office to learn of some kind of deal the librarian is making that seems not to be going super well and spots a fireplace in the process. We know Santa is sticking around for the ride because immediately afterwards when the bug gets squashed and she's gotta let go, she asks him about all of that fireplace uh, triggery that she had heard about. And he was like, I haven't met one I can't break. I'm like, okay. So we're in it for the long ride with Santa and Alice. This show. So um, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. There's That's two episodes down for the magicians. I'm interested to see where this season goes. Clearly, they're going to figure out something with Elliot. I, it's not above them to kill somebody off. If this, If the actor wanted out, this is a hell of a way to do it right now in the position that he's in by having this monster basically kind of take him over and them having to end Elliot in order to end the monster. I could see that happening. They're going to drag it out for as long as they can. But I could see that being the end goal if if this actor wanted out. Um, I also don't know how it's going to play into everything else that's going on or how they're going to use it to free magic for everyone again. Because clearly that's also the goal of this new season. Dealing with the library and why they're trying to control the entirety of magic. Dealing with the McAllisters again. Because that was left unfinished. And figure out why they also want to control magic so much. And see what the politics around that are supposed to be. Um, But I'm interested to see what Quentin and the rest of the asshat gang are going to do and mess up. uh, In order to see what other consequences are going to be laid out. It's been something that works for this show. to To get it to the next season. And... I'm actually watching the show as it's airing, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I am going to be moving on to Siempre Bruja right after this. Aloha, beautiful listeners. It's Joe, aka the Curvy Geeky Fangirl, and I wanted to take this moment to thank you for all of those listening ears that check out my ramblings on this podcast. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts as they really help this little podcast grow and grow. Also, don't hesitate to reach across those social media lines to talk about all things geek with me. Check out Curvy Geeky Fangirl on Twitter and Instagram, and don't forget that if you listen to this podcast on Anchor, you can leave an audio message that might get played on the podcast. Just saying. Now, back to my ramblings. All right, moving into Siempre Bruja. It, was, it wasn't what I was expecting, to be honest. The quick synopsis of Siempre Bruja is that it's about a young witch who is a slave in the 17th century of Colombia. Little known fact, or depending on how well versed you are in slavery around the world, uh, Cartagena, Colombia was actually a big point for slavery uh, by the Spanish Inquisition. So they would bring their, well, basically their 
purchases over through that point because it's right right there on the water and it's near the caribbean so it was a point of harbor if you were dropping you know slaves off in the caribbean side and then we're trying to make it to the mainland over here in south america terribleness so it's during the time of the spanish inquisition and she is a slave in trouble basically homegirl's side story is that she was born into slavery right she's both her mother was a slave i'm assuming her father was a slave they don't really get into the fatherhood parentage of everything she's got an uncle that's looking out for her he too is a slave um and when we meet her she's on the block to be sold basically she's being auctioned off to the highest bidder and we're supposed to believe (laughs) Well, well let me get the synopsis out so basically while she's being sold, she lays eyes on this uh, genteel man who isn't a fan of how she's being treated, manages to talk his father into purchasing her, and they fall in love. So they fall in love, and she's working in his house, just doing her thing. But because they fell in love, his mother is like, we need to get rid of her. She's a witch. <laughs> so, I mean, she's been doing things to gain the attention for that title. Like she has an ability to heal people without medicine. So there's that. Um, but the mother's just like, no, no, no. My son can't be involved with a slave. We need to get rid of her. Let's call her a witch and call it a day. We're gonna burn her at the stake. Great. They jail her to have her burned at a later time. While she is jailed, she meets up with somebody who calls himself a wizard. And he is also known as an immortal. Oh, let me look up his name. Al, I want to say it's Alamar. Aldemar, maybe. Now I gotta go look it up because I don't remember anything. Al, yep, it's Aldemar. Look at that. Look at me. So anyway, this guy named Aldemar the Immortal. Because every time they try to burn him alive, he's just like he's fine. Like nothing happens. He's just he's just chilling there on that stake. Like yeah, anyway. So and they just jail him back in the jail again. But they're like, no, she's going to burn for real this time. We'll figure it out. So Aldemar teaches her a spell. He shows his prowess as a wizard. He gets her to float in midair. Tells her that uh, he can figure out a deal to help save her and her beloved. There's a whole part in there where her beloved was trying to fight for her to not be burned as a stake, as a witch. And he gets shot by his father. <laughs> this, this, like, this, he does his whole speech about how it's wrong. And then his dad just pops the hell up with a musket. And is like, not my house. And shoots him. And she's assuming he's dead. It's the, it's the 17th century. A scratch can kill you. So uh, she's like thinking the worst. She's waiting to be executed. Aldemar is like, nah, you don't have to be executed. Tell you what, if you help me, I will help you. And save your beloved. Blah, blah, blah. I need you to repeat the spell so you can travel into the future. Once you're there, we're going to hook up with this other witch that is on my team to help free me. Cool game. Let's do it. And she's like, all right, I'm in. So they, when they go to burn her, she says the spell, transform, transports her to modern day Cartagena, Colombia, circa 2000 and I want to say 18. I don't know if it's supposed to be 2019. It might be... Am I supposed to? It may be 2019. Modern day. Modern day Cartagena, basically. And that's when the real shit pops off. All the antics start kicking up. She's trying to figure out how to do her quests while she's out there, how to hook up with 
this witch that he needs her to be with. And she also has to be on the lookout for this evil ne'er-do-well named Lucian in the process. And the show is not what I thought it was going to be. Like the, to be fair, the trailers for it and everything weren't very informative about what was going on. Other than that, this was about an Afro-Colombian. Uh, they were going to touch on slavery. She did witchcraft. And the future traveling. Like, we see all of that. We also see that she has to have a handle on her powers. She, it's not that she just discovered that she's a witch. She kind of has always known she was one. She hasn't had the chance to really explore her ability. And now she's got people telling her that she's a special. She's a special type of witch. She's unique in the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's trying to juggle that, juggle her duties to help save her boyfriend and try to get back in time to to him, basically. Throughout, to be fair to the series, they do a nice job of giving you a full and complete story while also giving you a little bit of a cliffhanger if they want to move into a second season. So uh, in case you don't watch a lot of telenovelas, telenovelas end, <laughs> they end eventually. Sure, they can go on for hundreds of episodes, but eventually they end. So they're pretty good at like wrapping it up. And with this being a Netflix series, you never know if you're going to get that second season or not. So it was nice to to have it kind of finished when we end the series, which I which is only like 12 episodes. Uh, but with a, like a little bit of a cliffhanger. So in case they did want to explore it some more, the opportunity was there. It was it was a nice little end. Uh Yeah. Yeah. Also, the show wasn't geared towards the audience I thought it was going to be geared towards. I thought it was going to be a Charmed-esque type of audience. So like young adults, you know, into my age group type of situation. This is for kids. This is a TV show for kids. It's not a TV show for adults at all. So the setup, the the trial she's got to go through, it's all kind of focused on like a, a YA programming. I wouldn't say Riverdale age exactly, but like around there. So like in between preteen to full-blown teenager-esque type of thing. Some of the stuff they touch on, definitely heavier on the teenager side, but they also don't show anything too crazy graphic. So anyone's game, basically. Uh, what else is going on in this show? Um, eh, let's get into the pros and cons. The cast is adorable. That's a pro. The cat, the kids that they have, it is an interestingly diverse cast of characters. Again, if you've never seen a telenovela, black people don't exist in those shows. They act like Afro-Latinas aren't a thing. Afro-Latinx people don't exist unless it's like a maid or somebody who's visiting. Like you usually you see one type of shade on your screen if you're watching a telenovela and that is as close to white as you can get. So having a character who's not only a dark black woman in the show, but also to have characters around her of multiple ethnicities was really nice. It was really nice to see, especially for a Spanish speaking series. It was great. Uh, another pro was actually touching on, on slavery. That's another topic that's like, I don't want to say taboo, but it's not really widely known. People are constantly surprised that slavery existed in other places besides America. <laughs> so it existed all over the world. How do you think we all got here? So 
It's nice that they touched on that, especially at the time that they're touching it on. They're not talking about the 1800s. They're talking about the 1600s when that was kicking off. And that's even like potentially 200 years later than when it was really moving in force. So, you know, I mean that it was nice. It was nice to see that they're actually touching on that, acknowledging it. That was definitely a pro for me. Uh, the adventures she has to go on, some of them are a little silly. They're pretty funny and silly, which was a nice bit of levity to the serious content that they were hinting at, but didn't really fully explore. So that was cute. The cinematic experience of it is beautiful. The colors when she's in the future are amazing. It is off the chart. And then that stark contrast when she goes back to the past it's damn near sepia tone. Like it's just really dark and depressing in one tone, this like muddy, dingy, dirty tone. Clearly purposeful, definitely worked. So a lot was happening. The rollercoaster of emotions that I experienced watching this, you get pretty attached to a lot of the side characters in the show, um, depending on how you're watching the show. <laughs> if you're just watching it for the fun of it, the, the characters are adorable. The, the kids that she surrounds herself with, their own antics that kind of take up some of the, the space in the show. It's really fun. It's just it's just a nice little fun ride, which is interesting given its serious subject matter, which is going to lead me to the cons of this show. Again, one of the, for me, one of the biggest seller points was that they were taking this from the point of view of somebody who was a slave, right? There's some things and some moves she makes that don't make sense to me. As it just just seems lost, <laughs> so lost in the sauce. So the whole part of her being a slave who then needs to go into the future didn't make sense to me why she would then be like, no, I must go back to the past. So that like they're trying to tie the fact that she's in love with this other guy from her timeline as to her big reasoning to go back, knowing full damn well She's going back to a horror show. So, I mean, there's even a part in there where they're like, why can't you just get your boyfriend and come back to the future? And then she's, she gives a speech about how it wouldn't be fair to everybody else, but it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make logical or rational sense why she wouldn't be like, you know what? I will. <laughs> like, like a done, done deal. But instead they're trying to show her to be this like benevolent type of character who's like, no, I need to make it better for everybody else coming up. Even though quite clearly, even if she did nothing, the future that is presenting itself is still going to exist. I just have more questions. So for some reason, we're just supposed to believe that as a slave, she's going to choose slavery. Again, they do try to point out that she's like, when I go back, I'm not going back as a slave. But bitch, like you, <laughs> you are literally property of somebody right now. You have ability, but the show has shown that her ability kind of comes and goes. What makes you think you're gonna be able to sustain this idea and the freedoms you have in the future, in the past? That I, I could not follow the logic on that. I couldn't stay on point. Another con that they touch on a lot if you're looking at the other critic reviews is how problematic her true love is. So like I said, uh, when we get introduced to them, she is being auctioned off on the slave block, uh, you know, to the highest bidder. And we're supposed to believe that they fell in love with each other on site. 
she is a slave <laughs> again she's a slave she does not have a choice period period point Blake you have this guy who maybe was lusting after her and gets his father to purchase her and we're supposed to believe that in the process of that not only was she treated well by the family they show aspects of other people mostly men getting whipped by the master but like for her in her case she's kind of just like living fun and free she's got her duties and whatever but then she's got nights off to have dates with this guy and it's just like okay all right show they definitely framed it more of like a romeo juliet scenario instead of the horror shit show it should be which is that he uh owns her and uh, can do whatever he wants to her legally in this timeline so yeah, that wasn't the greatest. That wasn't the <laughs> wasn't wasn't the greatest, you know. And it didn't it didn't really sell me when she inevitably she ends up going back to the past. She figures out what's going on. Uh, ultimately, there's a lot of betrayal that happens in that show. Aldemar turns out to be not a good guy. Turns out he's using her for his own purposes. And when she figures that out and goes back in time, uh, she has these grand plans to make like these great or I guess improvement to the slaves that are living there. Clearly it doesn't work at all in any way. Her ability kind of comes and goes. Like she gets stripped of her ability, which is something they lay out early in the show as something that could happen to you. And it just goes quickly to a shit show. Like what, again, what the hell? Anyway, so she ends up having to go back to the future to finish what she started when it comes to that wizard and what he was trying to do. But in the, in the meanwhile, she's still like, no, I have to go back to the past. This whole back and forth that she was doing, it just didn't make sense why she would be like, yeah, yeah, I was a slave back then. And I enjoyed it. Like it doesn't, no, no show. And the show made a big deal of showcasing the fact that they were rooting this in historic origins. It's based apparently on a book that really explores the historic origins of being a slave in Cartagena back in, back in the 17th century. But the show just kind of treated it like a bad job. <laughs> like, not the mental war it, it was for people who were surviving in that era, but like it was a bad job. Like, you know, we have a bad boss and we'll just have to figure it out. Like kind of, kind of deal, which is terrifying, which is terrifying. So that aside, yeah, if you can loosely take it for what it is. There is a lot more positive, I would say, than negative to the show. There are definitely a lot of problematic points to the show that I think are fair to be discussed and pointed out. But overall, I enjoyed the show. It's not that often that we get a show about magic that involves a person of color. And the fact that she is an Afro-Latina, dark-skinned Afro-Latina leading the show, and the show is actually quite enjoyable. Uh, the producers have stated that they are hoping that this is going to open the doors to other actors who are in a similar situation in that, you know, they are black and not getting any work in the Latin community when it comes to that industry. And hopefully it'll open the doors for that. And I, I hope they're right. I hope this takes off. Even even with the, the harshness that we're getting from the critics, I don't think it's undeserved that's happening from the critics. But I also think this is a show worth preserving i wouldn't mind seeing a second season and seeing what that means because now when everything ended she's in the future and the boyfriend comes to the future so interested in seeing how that's going to work i also wouldn't mind a dynamic where her this true love of hers turns out not to be the kind of true love she thought it was 
And it kind of becomes a Dawson's Creek situation where the Dawson to her Joey turns out to be a soulmate of a friend nature. And meanwhile, she's got to give it Pacey, a.k.a. Lucian. So, yes, I did. I threw a Dawson's Creek, you know, reference in there. Whatever. Anyway, moving on. (laughs) I'm going to be talking about the witch files right after this. Like all things geeky and nerdy, check out ForAllNerds.com, a site that strives to uplift people of color in pop and geek culture. Yours truly is the fashion and lifestyle editor over there with tons of fandom fashion sets for cosplay inspiration and everyday geek wear. Check out ForAllNerds.com today. All right, real quick to wow, I can't even talk. Round out the Curvy Geeky Fangirl podcast. I'm going to talk about the Witch Files which is a film I caught on Netflix. I actually heard about this, well, saw the trailer for this film on Amazon not too long ago. And at first I was definitely intrigued. It's a story about teen girls who get into witchcraft. Sounds very much like another teen witch show that I loved the craft. So I was like, ooh, I'm interested to see how this works. The setup for this movie is that it's kind of a found footage type of thing. So if you saw Chronicle, or Cloverfield, it gives you that kind of feel. You've got hand cameras and narration, and when they need bigger views on things, you'll get it from like security cams. They set it up like we're watching the video proof that was submitted to a police station for a crime, basically. There's a full disclaimer about how it's the property of yeah, 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 police station, blah, blah, blah. And then it kind of launches into the movie. Does that premise hold over time? Nope, because some of the shots they end up doing and using, clearly not handheld cams, but they treat it like it is. Um, But also, I guess it was to give it a tone that this is coming from like a survivor point of view. Okay, whatever. Anyway, the show basically, like I said, focuses on these teen girls, all misfits in school. They end up befriending the lead misfit, which is supposedly this new girl who's come to school. Uh, she lets it be known that she used to live in that area and then had to leave and has now come back. And she also practices witch- witchcraft and she teaches the other girls how to do it. And they get power hungry as one does when you are a teenager. They start learning all the cool stuff they can do with these powers. Flying, uh, getting stuff for free, <laughs> basically getting a lot of stuff for free, um, getting people to recognize you and notice you, stuff like that. They definitely trope off these girls. You have the brainy nerdy chick, who's the main girl. You've got the bitchy bossy one, who's mean girl turned actual nice girl, but still a mean girl type of character. You have the black one, just like in craft. She is a sporty type basically. So she is an athlete and she plays field hockey. And that's really all you get to know about this character. And then we have uh, the one that committed relationship. She's a curvier character, which is nice to see some body diversity in there. She's also the one in like a committed relationship and she's kind of hoping for uh, um, basically more security in that relationship. She wants to get married, which is terrifying because she's in high school, but you know, anyway. So all of that's happening and strange shit starts happening. So after the girls start getting everything they want, they start realizing there's consequences coming with getting whatever they want. They have this whole thing where they basically 
after they chant something, it becomes a temporary reality, like a glamour. So one of the things they do is chant like the bill is already paid for a lot of different things they're trying to get. Clothes, food, a car. They use that glamour to get this stuff. It eventually catches up to them and gets the attention of the police because now we've got people dealing with the reality of that action. Tills are coming up short. People aren't, you know, they can't find the money that should be there for all these purchases that have been made, which I thought was a clever way to tie in the consequence of what the girls are doing. But that was short-lived because they also did some other crazy crap throughout the the show. The interesting twist I thought that they put into the movie was that they had the lead misfit be the antagonist. You can definitely tell from a mile away she's going to be the antagonist, but I liked the the story they gave her. She is a two, 300 year old witch who comes back every 17 years or so. Odd number to use, but sure, okay. And basically she tricks idiot girls <laughs> into practicing magic with her, making them full-fledged witches so that she can then steal their power from them, killing them in the process. To regain, to keep her youth, I guess, and continue doing what she's been doing. Apparently, she also always has to be crowned the queen of something. A dance, a ball, doesn't matter. I'm not sure. They don't really explain why that's important or why she has to do that. They just kind of throw it in there (laughs) as a way to stop her. But it doesn't actually stop her. It just pisses her off. So I don't... That was random. I don't know what that was about. When they do have to get rid of her, I liked the idea they were trying to use. So the whole thing is like, you know, they come up and they try to face her. She's crazy strong. They are getting weaker by the moment. But then they get this idea to use all of her past victims to come get her. Cool. Execution of that, not so cool. Not so cool. The budget for... I guess the special effects for what they were doing wasn't super high, but I mean, I've seen grander stories, Chronicle, done with far less. So I'm not really gonna give them the excuse. I just think the execution was not done super well. This is a direct to, either direct to streaming or direct to video type of movie, never hit the theaters. So there's that as well. If we wanna talk about the quality of the film, Overall, it was an interesting ride watching these girls inevitably fuck up after learning about something interesting and then having to fix it. That was interesting. Seeing the consequences they they put into that. So not only are they dealing with the ramification of not paying for anything, but they're also dealing with like health issues. And that's because the lead witch, misfit, bad character that we're looking at, She's siphoning energy from them. So that's why they're dealing with the health issues they're dealing with. That was interesting. Um, And the girls themselves, the chemistry between the girls themselves, wasn't that bad either. I believe that these girls were friends. And the tropes they fell into weren't the greatest. And the fact that we have this black character who they point out, she realizes she's the only black person in that group of friends. They still didn't do anything with. She just was the black character. So that, that was annoying, but... Overall, it was a it was a fun, cute film, a fast watch. So if you get the chance to watch it, I would I'd recommend watching The Witch Files. If you if anything, you could p- probably play it in the background when you're doing laundry or doing something else in the meanwhile. But wanted to hear you know catch something kind of not almost like kitschy, but a little silly and a little serious dealing with witchcraft. It was it wasn't bad. The one of the main girls 
is the girl from the Americans. If you guys ever watched that TV show that used to be on AMC, I want to say. She's the daughter from that. And she's actually, what's her name, Claire? That might be her name for the movie. She looks like a Claire. She's got some talent there. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind watching a movie that she's the lead of. Because she carries this movie. (laughs) She for sure does carry this movie. But it was it was just interesting to see how everything played out. And it was it was just a nice little short story. So so that's gonna be it for the Curvy Geeky Fangirl. That's a lot of most of the geek that I caught in my week. I will be back again. We're into February, which is not only Black History Month, but also has is it the month of romance? Do we get to call it that? Because Valentine's Day is in it? I'm gonna say yes. It's also the month of love. So the next podcast is going to be grouped around that i'm going to be talking about a lot of uh romantic things that i watch because i am a romance fanatic fanatic i love that campy goodness sometimes steamy goodness that comes out of romantic movies i'm going to be talking about films i caught on passion flicks which is a streaming service for people like me who love romantic movies and it kind of spans the spectrum it goes from like campy lighthearted, cutesy stuff to like the hardcore steamy stuff listen read a harlequin novel they get x-rated really really fast so and passion flicks is a film come i don't know if they're a film company or just a streaming service they do their own movies they have an ns NSFW's category of movie. And they got already, they got two in the queue already for that category. They're not joking. They're not joking, bitch. <laughs> they take it seriously. And I love this streaming service. So I'm going to be talking about that. I'm going to be talking about uh, the romantic dramas I watch, the Asian dramas I watch, because that is the core story for a lot of Asian dramas, is this whole romantic aspect. So I'm going to be talking about that as well. Uh, and probably dipping into my favorite uh, couples from geekdom. Get that shipper on, you know. It's not that far of a of a toss to realize that I'm into that as well. So all of that, I'm going to be talking about that in the next episode. So we'll see. We'll see how everything else goes. I hope you guys have a good rest of the week. Don't mind my scatteredness. But <laughs> I, yeah, I got shook after not being able to watch my DC TV. I want to tell you. So I'm going to be scrambling for stuff, but I'm going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out together. Like I said, I hope you guys have a good week and I will talk to you later. Bye.